Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show. The winter break is over and the season is back into action this weekend and after a remarkably quiet January by Manchester City standards too. It's the FA Cup that's up first and a home tie with Fulham on Saturday before attention turns back to the Premier League as Brentford visit the Etihad in midweek. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we'll preview both of those matches and get some expert insight from guests from the show's Fulhamish and Besotted. Howard Hawking will be back with us later in the show too. Plus we'll speak to Jason Manford's little brother Colin about a stand-up show for City fans taking place in Portugal. I promise it's not as mad as it sounds. I'm David Mooney. With me for this week's show are Goal.com's Jonathan Smith. Hello. And the Manchester City fan brands editor at Reach PLC. I got it right this time in one take there, Dom, as well. Uh, Dom Farrell. <laughs> He's very, very impressive, mate. Um, glad to be here. Hope everyone's well. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you not any thoughts of making your job title easier for me to say in these intros or...? Um, well, do you know what we've got? Um, we've got we've got a new fixed term contract coming in. Maybe I could pitch for it to be something less ridiculous. If you um, could, yeah, if you could make it easier to say, then I'll, um, I'll give HR an note this afternoon, <laughs> and they'll probably go. Well, what are the reasons for this? Yeah, podcasting. I, yeah, I want I want an ultimatum sent in. That's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're open to um, any listener suggestions for what my job title should be. No, um, you don't want to open that Pandora's box, mate. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you well? Yeah, enjoyed this sort of brief break from um, footy, getting ready for the rest of the season. And it was a pretty quiet transfer window as well. So quite fortunate with that, really. So you've, done, that. so you've done nothing is what you're telling me, yeah? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> right, uh, well, let's focus on uh, the first of City's two games this week. Let's bring in Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast. Hi, Sammy. Hi, guys. Um, you've got the championship sewn up, haven't you? 58 points currently, game in hand on Blackburn, who are second on 53. It's yours, isn't it now? Well, look, you guys are experienced at being top of the league and saying things are sewn up. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is uncharted territory for us. I'm, I'm certainly saying absolutely nothing of the sort. Maybe if we make it a regular habit, I'll get a bit more comfortable with thinking that it's in the bag. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's done yet, but it's. I think we're looking good for promotion at, at the very least, um, top two. But yeah, I, I, I don't know about championship winners because I just feel like it's Fulham and a bit like you guys something can always go wrong and if it's going to go wrong it's going to be to Fulham yeah Dom we we always we've been talking in the last few weeks about how the Premier League's not over and I guess it's the same situation isn't it yeah absolutely although surely Fulham are just going to go up on on account of weight of goals I was looking at the championship table before obviously Blackburn in second place Fulham have got 29 more goals than Blackburn this season. Um, I think Blackburn are the second highest scorer in the league. So, I mean, obviously a lot of it's about um, the gloriously mad Alexander Mitrovic having a great season. He's always pretty box office. Um, so I think 28 goals from him this year. So, yeah, mm. I, I, I think, I mean, to, to, to set Sam at ease, I, I would say they're going up just because 
the vast majority of championship defences just can't live with them. Yeah, Sammy, I, I was going to ask about the goals because, uh, yeah, you drew last weekend, but you've been scoring a few lately. I mean, six against Birmingham and Bristol City, seven against Reading. This is like th- this is Kevin Keegan managing City in the championship level. This is this is oh, I don't care what what defences are doing. I'm just going to score and score and score. Yeah, it's been a ridiculous month. We we actually had a bit of a blip before Christmas, and then I was a few of us were a bit worried whether promotion was in the cards, and then we had loads of games postponed, and we're thinking, oh no, this could be all slipping away. And then we had these four games after Christmas, and yeah, seven, six, six, and then three. Um, it was just mad, and we were getting desensitised to goals by the end of the third game, where we were uh, five two up at half time. <laughs> we just. It's been really, really fun. Um, this doesn't happen very often as a Fulham fan. I think we're on course to break City's goal-scoring record, which would be um, quite an achievement. We're dead on course for at least 100 goals. I think you guys just topped that in that 0-2-0-3 season. So yeah, it's been really fun. I guess the thing is, is Fulham either score seven at the moment or we score zero or one. It's it's there's It's seldom been much in between yeah. um, with Fulham this season. So... That's my only slight concern is Blackpool did a bit of a job on us on on Saturday and other teams, Luton, Sheffield United have done the same. So we're certainly not infallible, but when we're in our groove, we are absolutely unstoppable. But there are some teams at this level that have worked us out. And I just think the next month we've actually got a nice run of games. Um, If we can be top and clear by the end of February and a few more points clear, then I think we'll be home and hose. But yeah, the next month's actually pretty important. Hence why this City game on Saturday is not ideal timing because there's another game on the Tuesday. Yeah, John, just thinking back to that uh, 0 season for City, um, it was about this time where City started to pull away from, from the rest of the league. I remember they, they weren't top when they played Burnley on, I think it was New Year's Day. Uh, and then they battered Burnley, who were top of the, of the league at the time. And they, I don't think that sent them top, but it sent them close. And then you, I remember thinking by by like mid February, oh, City are gonna they, they're gonna run away with this league now. Um, and it was all the goals, wasn't it? I remember I remember looking at that uh, at the table that year, and, and City had the worst defense in the top six, but they scored I think it was one hundred and seven or one hundred and nine in the end. Yeah, and it was great entertainment, wasn't it? Um, obviously, the goat was the main the main man, um, but people like Darren Huckabee um, chipping in as well, um, and then you know obviously. People like Berkovic and uh, Ali Benabia as a creative forces in midfield. Yeah, it was brilliant to watch him. Possibly one of the most fun seasons. Well, it was the most fun season until everything changed and the shape and so. But yeah, it was great entertainment and, and a lot of fun with knowing that there was a big prize at the end of it. I'm interested, Sammy. Like, have you have you guys needed this? If you know what I mean, because you've you've been up and down a few a few years from um, kind of promotions and relegations. But the the one thing I remember thinking after that city had after that city side got relegated in 2001, I remember thinking like like we needed that season. We needed a season where it was just going to Main Road was fun. Yeah, it, it is definitely feeling worthwhile. Obviously, this will be up if we do go up third promotion in about four years, which is kind of absurd. But those other two promotions were not done emphatically at all. The first time there had been an amazing run into the playoffs and the playoffs were brilliant because it was our first time at Wembley. So that was a really euphoric season in one way, but... The second time we went up, well, it was behind closed doors, first of all, and it was a little bit limping over the line, to be honest. So, yeah, to come back 
post-COVID back in grounds and then to kind of romp the league like we have has been really enjoyable and fans are just very very happy and relegations are really nasty fan bases can become toxic pretty quickly even if you're not expected to stay up just kind of the weight of losing every week just makes fans angry and, and and frustrated with one another so yeah this season has just been quite notable for the fact that the Fulham fan base has just been mostly enjoying things yeah. mostly just going to games wanting to go to games and and most of them being fun and even yeah okay there's been a couple of dodgy results here and there it, it, it has been very very enjoyable and also the football's been good which under parker as much as he did an all right job at nearly keeping us in the premier league under difficult circumstances the football was not fun it was behind closed doors it was dull and turgid at times whereas marcus silva has just wanted to do this with panache and style it's very reminiscent to when fulham went up onto john tagana i think yeah. it's the last time really that fulham have had that real swashbuckling all conquering side we've had fun teams in the in, in those moments the likes of roy hodgson when we went to the europa final was obviously fun in different ways but this is just all conquering all out fast flowing attacking football and if we score five we want to score six if we score six we want to score seven and, and that's what you want as a fan you don't want to be sitting on a two nil a la scott parker yeah who, who are the players that are that are doing this for you at the moment who are the who are the players that if you are to to cause an upset at, at weekend that's uh, that that will do it well, I mean, the obvious answer is Mitro. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Mitrovic doesn't play. We've got the, uh, a backup striker called Rodrigo Muniz, who we actually spent eight million on from Brazil, who came from Flamenco, who I think Silva may give the nod to, and he'll protect Alexander Mitrovic for the league game, which might not go down with Mitro too well with Mitro, because I think he'll be keen to, uh, you know prove himself against uh, the very very best. I think the main main man for me that could cause an issue for City and will want to prove himself is Fabio Carvalho, who's been in the news this week. He very nearly signed for Liverpool. It didn't quite happen. He almost certainly will leave us in the summer. He's 18. He's a wonder kid. I think he's going to be one of the best players in Europe. Like You can just see him at 18 and his control is unbelievable he works hard he's creative he scores goals most of his goals have been from outside the box he just is the real deal and I think given everything that's happened this week and his move not quite going through and a lot of talk about him and a lot of people saying oh who is he really is he really worth all the hype I think he'll be quite keen to go to the Etihad and bang one in and just uh you know tell everyone that he really is the the real deal and obviously for Fulham it it's great if he does that but tinged with a bit of sadness because we know that we're going to lose him if not for free but not for a lot this summer not for as much as he's worth yeah John when you look at uh, City's approach to this game um, they've had a break does that do for the idea that that we might see some youth players in this because like, I've, I've just got this inkling that Guardiola is going to go nope first 11 yeah I would have thought that's the way you'll approach it they've had that uh, seven to ten days off Got completely away from um, football. I've been watching Instagram jealously, looking at all these pictures of holidays in Bahamas <laughs> and Dubai. Well, maybe not Dubai, I'm not like keen on Dubai, but certainly the Bahamas and Los Angeles. Ilkay was in Los Angeles. I would quite, quite like to have done that for the spring. Um, but I think they'll, they'll be back in Manchester this week and focused. And with no Carabao Cup, you know, the FA Cup's an opportunity to go with strong teams because. You know, they have, do have this core of 17, 18 players who are fighting to play in all the big games. Um, so if you're missing a league game, then you're, 
you will want to feature this week. So, um, and there's no reason why they uh, Pep won't want his players having two games in a week to get themselves fully fit for everything that's to come. So, I think it'll be a really, really strong team. Um, maybe Cole Palmer might be the one who squeezes into the starting eleven or comes off the bench. Uh, I, I think the interesting one, which I want to ask Sammy really, is how strong does Fulham go? Because obviously promotion is the priority and expecting City to be strong. You know, will it be a first 11, close to a first 11, or can you see half a dozen players being left out? I think it might be like eight out of 11 and the other players that come in won't be youngsters out straight out of the 23s. They might be a couple of players that were on the borderline anyway is my expectation for this one. Yeah. We've got Millwall on Tuesday who don't have a game this Saturday because they're out of the cup and their league fixture that they've, I don't know who they were supposed to face, but clearly they've made it to the next round of the cup. So Millwall are having a longer break than us. Um, so I would expect it just to be a no risks, but also not completely putting out the second string. So instead of Marek Road, I can go, you might get Paolo Gazaniga. As I said, wouldn't be surprised if Rodrigo Muniz is in place of Mitrovic and you might get Nathaniel Chalaber in the middle, who's been knocking on the door of getting back into contention. And actually, I think the player that I'm very, uh, I would definitely expect to see start is Nico Williams, who we just got from Liverpool on loan for six months. Um, Kenny Tete's out at right back. Makes sense to blood in our new loney youngster in a cup game um, before the kind of full throttle of a, of a championship game. So I think it will be a strong side. I still think you'll see players at the back like Tosin and Ream. And I think Anthony Robinson will be back from international duty and will play for us. And I'd expect to see Fabio Carvalho play and, and, and Harry Wilson. I just think he might rotate a tiny bit just with one eye on Tuesday. But I think, and all of the rest of the players will be on the bench. I, I don't think Marco Silva can go to City and play the second string, mostly for his own professional pride, but also because I think if we rest too many players, then you risk this becoming a cricket score a way that Fulham haven't been used to this season. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think that you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilise before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. Many people think that therapy is for so-called crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means that you recognise that all humans have emotions, and we need to learn to control them, not avoid them. And we've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong too. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much. BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp and Blue Moon podcast listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash blue. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash blue. 
just looking at this game from uh, a City point of view, Dom, um, I, I, we're talking about potential EDS players that, uh, that that could be involved. I'm interested, well, there's one name I'm, I'm really interested in, and that's uh, that's James McAtee. Um, obviously, the new contract is sorted. We'll come to that in a second. Um, there was talk that he might go out on loan towards the end of the window. There was, there was lots of interest from championship clubs and uh, I think Rangers as well in the SPL. Um, but they couldn't find a club that they wanted him to go out on loan to. Um, and I guess this kind of signifies, again, with signing the contract and, and, and with him staying, that uh, that he's been assured some minutes in, in the first team. Um, this might be a game for him to be involved in, whether it's, uh, I, I don't know if it'll be from uh, from the start or whether he'll come on from the bench, but it, it, it's certainly an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, in some respects, it's incredible there wasn't a loan move found because it seemed at one point there was about 12 clubs wanted to take him on loan. But um, yeah, I, do, you I think that, do you think that was City saying, no, actually, you're going to be involved here? I'm, I'm. I'd be, re- I'd be re- hesitant to say Guardiola has offered anyone any guarantees of any minutes. I don't think that's how he operates. But I think what it's pretty clear Pep does want to do is he thinks McAtee is the sort of special kind of player that he wants to follow that Phil Foden path. I mean, we all remember the clamour for you know people turning up saying Phil Foden needed to go on loan to the Championship and things like this. You know, from various sort of you know, half-baked pundit input you had during that period where we were waiting and waiting for Foden to be a regular. But the approach with Foden has been vindicated that he spent day in, day out at training with the likes of David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. I think McAtee's a similar case. I think he's an exceptional talent and he's going to get better through playing with those players every day. The handy thing is now for Guardiola, he can point to the Foden example of that's what we do. On the other hand... It's a massively stacked area of the team, as it always is in any, any sort of Guardiola side, that, that that creative midfielder area. So I'm not sure he will have been given any, a, a guarantee of you know X amount of minutes, X amount of substitute appearances. I think it's more they'll have said there's a path there for him because the alternative is you look at this window, City have had Tommy Doyle, um, Taylor Harwood-Bellis, um, both come back from loans they were sent on and sent out on new ones. Um, you've got Callum Doyle at Sunderland where he's been doing pretty well, but they've now sacked their manager and probably won't play the same way. So there are there are so there are so many things you can't control once a player goes out on loan. And I think it's Guardiola's preference that they control as much as they possibly can with McAtee because you look at his record for the EDS, particularly this season with, you know, I think he's got three hat-tricks. He's a top scorer in Premier League too. I think that this is a guy who's... Such an exceptional talent, they want to keep him at close quarters for every every little step of his development. I mean, it, it's not done Foden any harm, so I don't see why it should do him any harm. And John, as, as we said there, he's signed that new contract now. Um, that's, that's only good news for City, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic news. You know, he's supremely talented. We all know how good he can be. And it's a real sort of show of faith from both the club in what they see in him and also in what he thinks he can achieve yeah. at the club. Because, uh, you know, if... If you go out on loan, that's kind of a sign that maybe you're not part of the, of the plans. I mean, it, so far, anyone who's gone out on loan has not really come back and made it into the first team. Possibly Zinchenko and Angelino are the are the examples where it has sort of happened. But generally, if you're asked to stay around the first team, train with the first team, learn from Guardiola, learn from the players around you, that means you know there's a, a real chance that you could make it a city. There's no doubt he's got the talent, um, but you know it's a, it's a big ask, obviously, because you know City squad is supremely talented. But he's got an opportunity, which is brilliant. 
Yeah, it's uh, that, you're right. I can't think of many that have gone out on loan and then um, come back and, and and come into the team. And I wouldn't exactly use Angelino as the as the shining example of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it, it it can happen. Um, it doesn't have to be the end of your City career if, if you go out on loan. You know, I, Angelino did well on loan, but it kind of became obvious pretty quickly that. It wasn't really him at City. Yeah. I guess. I guess we'll see as well with um, like the, the Doyles and Howard Bellis. Yeah, I really like Taylor Howard Bellis. I think he's got a, a big chance. He's he's going to be a really good footballer, whether it's at City. Uh, don't know. Same same with Tommy Doyle and same with Callum Doyle. They're all going to impress out there. But you know, like we like we know, making it a City, you got to be the, one of the absolute best. Phil Foden is. Cole Palmer's showing signs. Uh, McAtee has definitely got the potential to be amongst them as well. Yeah, Sammy, let's. Uh, you mentioned uh, Tosin uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, how's he doing these days? Because obviously he came through the City Academy. He's doing very well, apart from Saturday. If he can just block out what on earth, um, I don't know whether maybe Tosin's um, identical twin woke up on Saturday and decided <laughs> to put on the Fulham shirt because it was a very out of character performance. Um, some really ropey passes. He misplaced um, the pass that led to Blackpool's equaliser. So yeah, I'm not sure what Tosin rocked out of bed or whether he um, decided to try and go to Dubai with um, the rest of some of his pals over the week before. But yeah, he's been very, very impressive. Um, he's the rocket centre back. He's the future of the Fulham defence. If, when Fulham go up, he will be a starting centre back for us in the Premier League next season. He was good but had his moments last year in the in the Premier League I think Joachim Anderson was the standout of the two but considering it was his first full season in the Premier League and it was a bit of a baptism of fire um, he, he did well in the circumstances I think he'll have grown not literally he doesn't need to grow anymore in the championship <laughs> and then I'm hoping in the Premier League if we can find him a really strong centre-back partner. I love Tim Ream, but we cannot have 35-year-old Tim Ream in the Premier League um, next season. We will get blown apart. Um, if we can find him a good left centre-back partner next season, I think I still think his ceiling's high. You know, you'd see the, the kind of players that get into the fringe of the England side, and I, I don't want to mention any names, but I see the likes of Tyrone Mings get in there, and I just think, I don't think Tosin is that much worse. I don't think Tosin is that far off that level where he couldn't get in the kind of reckoning of fringe England player, because I do think on his day, he is an absolute masterful defender. Um, yeah. So I, I, I hope a solid run in the Premier League ideally with Fulham will get him there he just needs to not get relegated and have to do another season um, in the Championship again and from your guys perspective I, I, I still think two million quid that we paid for him is one of the best bits of business we've ever done City must have just thought the money doesn't matter because <laughs> what how we only paid two for him easily at that point I'd have thought he was a seven eight million pound player and now well, you only have to be young and English, don't you, to get at least 15 million talents regardless you get that amount. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to mention any names, but Tyrone Mings, there we go. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do you feel about coming to the Etihad these days? Because uh, it's not been a happy hunting ground for you lately. No, it used to be one of our favourite places to go. We, um, I did that Heaven and Hell show with you, and we've got some amazing me memories at the Etihad of uh, the Great Escape game, and uh, there's a couple of games in the kind of like 
uh, maybe late noughties where we did really, really well at the Etihad. But yeah, no, it's not been a happy hunting ground. I think for, for this one, Fulham fans are going to be going on a day out kind of vibe. Um, it won't be the same way, I think, if we met you in a league match where, whilst again, I don't think anyone expects to win, I think you know, we'd be expecting, you know, a full throttle Fulham. I don't think anyone's expecting to go through the cup. I think a few fans will just be happy that it's Saturday, three o'clock, safe standing for the first time ever for Fulham. I don't think we've ever had safe standing at a game, which will be a new experience um, for those heading up. And if we get a goal, if we, uh, if we manage to make a bit of a match of it, we'll be happy. You'll be interested to know that when we were beating Reading 7-0 the other day, we were sitting Manchester City, we're coming for you. Um, <laughs> which might have been a bit ahead of our station. But I think a few fans are just interested to see what happens and and go up there without any real expectation. It feels a bit like a proper lower league side just going to a massive team in the cup, just like, what have you got to lose? Be great if we could just make it interesting, nick it, go to penalties. That would be fun. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it when uh, teams poke the bear sometimes because it's uh, it, it, it can go one or two ways. Either it gets under City's skin or City just go, right, okay, have this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it could, could, can easily go one or two ways. Uh, before we let you go, Sammy, let's have a score prediction for the uh, charity bet a bit later on. What are you going for? Um, I've gone for a bold one-all Fulham on penalties. Well, uh, yeah, one all uh, Fulham on penalties. Well, we we don't do the on penalties, but we uh, we have the after ninety minutes score. Uh, but uh, one all, we'll whack on the charity bet for you. It's uh, fourteen to one, so you'll uh, you'll you'll drop one hundred and forty quid into the fundraiser if you're right. Oh, well, there we go. At least uh, at least if it all happens, we'll have had a great day and uh, and charity wins some extra money because I've gone for a ridiculous prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, Sammy, thank you very much. Uh, Sammy James from Formish. Now, the Champions League returns this month and it's not long until City fans will be heading to Portugal for the match with Sporting. On the day of the game, a stand-up comedian and City fan is going to be putting on a show for the travelling supporters. Colin Manford is Jason Manford's younger brother and before watching Pep Guardiola's side hopefully end the first leg with a good lead, he's going to be doing in a set at the bar Titanic Sumer. I've been speaking to both Colin and the MC for the gig, David Ward, to find out more. I love the concept. So when it was approached to me, I kind of, uh, you know, it, the away days have always been fantastic. I, I've done loads of European away days with City and it's always been a great laugh, but it, it literally is. A, you go, you get drunk, you have some food, go to the game. Um, but now kind of these guys are offering something so unique that on the day of the game, Instead of just doing this day sesh, you can have a nice afternoon of just having a good old laugh, having a, still drinking, because let's face it, that's what it's all about. But yeah, have, have a good giggle and just create a nice atmosphere really does. So I think everything about it really appeals to me. Yeah, Dave, um, I mean, you've, you've helped set this up. Uh, where's the idea come from? Uh, so I'm a Spurs fan. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> and a couple of years ago when Spurs were in the Champions League semi-final, we're not going to mention how they got there. Um, they... Yeah, no, I think, I think you're <laughs> right. Let's not. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they, played, they played Ajax, as you know, it's well known. It was a historic game. You know, every football fan will know about that. What happened in that 90, 45 minutes it was. But... Um, I, I'm a world touring stand-up comedian and I go to Amsterdam to gig four or five times a year before the pandemic. So I'm on first name terms with the guy that owns the comedy club out there. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to go out there for the game. There's going to be, there was 10,000 Spurs there that day. And I just thought, well, I had access to, to Tottenham podcasting and, and I thought, do you know what? I called up the comedy club owner and I said, I'll put on a show in the afternoon of the day. You're closed. You take the bar. I take the door. Me and a comedian called Carl Donnelly, who also supports Spurs, we did half an hour each, sold out. 
uh, everyone had a great time and uh really it was just going to be a one-off i just thought well yeah it was a great you know we made a nice little bit of money everyone turned up they had a great time and then we all went to you know the square and sung our hearts out and and, and got behind the, the team um and my friend james who i'm doing this in partnership with he works in pr so he's always had this kind of pr event thing and he's kind of been in my ear like you know that thing you did in amsterdam you should do it as a we should do it as a like a as a thing and i was like yeah maybe did it and then finally you know i've gone do you know what let's do it let's see if we can make this work as a business idea so really it just stems from that that you know that day in amsterdam and uh and the greatest thing about it uh dave uh, and colin was I saw lots of people turn up that day that had heard me promote it on the radio and heard me promote it on the Tottenham podcast. And they had travelled to Amsterdam on their own. And they turned up, they had bought a solo ticket to the show. And then obviously there's a cup, there's an hour of drinking before we do you know, an hour, hour and a bit of a of comedy. And then, you know, you, you're, you're free to go and do, and people left. And that was the greatest thing to me. People left in groups to go and watch it. Cause not everyone had tickets. Cause you know, but people just wanted to be out there and, it, it, so people came out on their own and left in groups and had people to watch it with just from coming to this this comedy show and talking on the tables and at the bar and and, and that was one of the best things for, about it for me yeah yeah so i mean colin you've got a captive audience there of uh, of city fans um yeah. do, do you have do you have uh, any specific material for city fans because let's be honest you know there was a time when we all needed a bit of a sense of humor to to cope with what was going on on the pitch yeah, do you know what? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because as a comedian, I, I tend to stay away from football as a rule because, obvious, for obvious reasons, it divides audiences. Um, but I think for this, I'm looking forward to it because there is going to be so much kind of natural banter. We've all got that one major thing in common. And I think, apart from the younger City fans, so I'm 36 now, so as good as City are now, and, and it's so amazing to watch us play, I still have that you know, that typical City mentality. You know, oh, yes. about that yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. It's sick. Like we could be three 0 up against you know uh, Luton Town in a cup, and there's still part of me going, it's not safe though. Yeah, we but, could be we, we, we could be four 0 <laughs> up against Leicester, and suddenly it's four <laughs> three. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to. Uh, it will be a lot of fun to have with that, and it's almost like you can talk about the past and and the players, and uh, even even in the recent history of, of the like you know the Yaya Torre stories, and because ultimately we've 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 got that kind of we all know the knowledge and we all know what's funny about City. And so it's stuff that you wouldn't get a laugh at a comedy club. But suddenly when you have a couple of hundred City fans who we know, especially the travelling fans, it's the, the hardcore, aren't they? And they know everything about the club. And there's so much fun that can be explored with it. Yeah. Have you been to, have you been to many uh, European aways uh, before the pandemic? Obviously, the, uh, you know, post-pandemic, we've not had that much of an opportunity. Yeah, well, I I, did, I genuinely love him. So the last one I went to was Atalanta at the San Siro when Kyle Walker kept his clean sheet in goals. <laughs> See that? I mean, um, they're, they're already that's that material right there. <laughs> exactly, but I think my favourite European away day. Uh, I think you'll like this story. Is that, so we went. So obviously, my brother's Jason Manford, obviously a big City fan, um, and we went to uh, years ago. I don't know if you remember that we played Hamburg in in the cup, and we got tickets. But in the Hamburg end, it was uh, Richard Dunn got us some tickets. So we went as a family and we go to the airport in Germany. We're at Hamburg and Jason being the profile he is, he says to me, guys, I want to keep it quite low key, you know, baseball cap on. And because drunk football fans, it's if you're famous, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. So we said, that's fine. That's fine. And we get to security. So what Jason does is he points me out to security and says, I'll keep an eye on him. He's a bit dodgy. 
Well, of course, Germans don't have the English sense of humour. <laughs> so I'm dragged to one side. I'm I'm strip searched. I'm all sorts, right? And then I thought, is, is that how you're going to play it? So I walked past, when I got all my stuff back together, I walked past this big group of drunk City fans and just said, oh, is that, is that Jason Mampin over there? <laughs> uh, and he, he, he got swarmed and was like, see you in the square, mate. So it was one of them, <laughs> them moments are great. Do you, have, do you have that rivalry with your brother like that? Is it, is, is it one of those, uh, you've, got to get the, you've got to get the upper hand at all times? Pretty much, yeah. I suppose because we both we both do storytelling. Um, so it, if something funny happens, it's whoever gets it first. But to be fair, Jason's audiences are obviously huge. He, he does it on TV or, or at the Manchester Arena. There's nothing I can do. But then, <laughs> then again, my style of comedy is I don't have a, a kind of limit on where I go. I, you know, I can be quite filthy at times. Equally, I can be quite clean. Where I think Jason's really honed his craft and he's, he's such a great family-friendly comedian. Um so yeah, I think we there's a market for both of us, but but if we ever see something funny together, I'm like, ah, oh, he's got to get it. <laughs> With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk Dave, are you are you going to be uh, performing at this one as well? As a Spurs fan in front of a, a captive audience of City fans, I'm guessing you might not make the joke about Ajax this time. No, I fucking will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to open and close with that. About, you remember when Aguero was half a yard offside and you all like sell it? Yeah, I'll, no, I'm, I, maybe. I don't know. Depends how many beers I've had, but I will be. I'll be hosting it. So how we're going to do this is we're going to always fly in hopefully if this is successful we many many more will we'll fly in a supporter of of uh whatever english british team is playing uh, and that's why we we contacted colin and then we'll get a local talent as well and this time we've got a guy called tama katan who is actually american he's won the world series of stand-up comedy he's just played uh, the apollo and he lives in lisbon so he's local talent but not portuguese um and he was like mate he's a good mate of mine he was like yeah i'll come down so you got me colin and tama which is a fantastic lineup i'll host it and uh and we'll, we'll work out on the day who wants to go go where and and and, and how long and all that but it's just um yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because i feel like you know as a spurs fan pre-2008 our clubs uh, aren't too dissimilar in a way you know I was I was at the game uh, in 2003 where we was three 0 up at half time and Jay Barton got sent off just before just before the whistle the half time whistle and I remember going my uncle used to take me and uh, he bought me my half time hot chocolate I was about 11 12 years old and uh, and I remember my uncle saying I kind of feel sorry for City here <laughs> I, I'll never forget it right and I was only allowed to swear I wasn't allowed to tell my mum but as soon as we walked through the, the turnstiles I was allowed to swear right. 
And it was my little thing with my uncle I had. And uh, we walked out of there after losing 4-3 to 10 men in the most Spursy kind of game I can remember. And I remember looking up at my uncle being 11, 12 years old and saying, why did you make me support this shit? And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, in a weird way, I think, you know, cities have probably got stories on the other end of those kind of results. Like, like so I'm, I'm sure we can uh, relate to that. I mean, I can't really relate to much after 2008, to tell you the truth. But... Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm interested in this little little dynamic between City and Spurs here, between you two as well, because Colin, I don't know if you agree with me, but because like we're, we're a similar age. I was yeah. brought up basically to, to hate Spurs at all opportunities. And I, I don't really understand why. I think it was because my dad and, and, and my mum were really annoyed about the 81 Cup final. And like after that, it was always, it, it was always, well, I wasn't even born at the time, but it was always, yeah, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, yeah, we don't like them. They always beat us. They always beat us. So that 4-3 was fantastic. I, I, going to school the next day, fantastic. Yeah, well, was- well not, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was some result, but it, my favourite part of that whole game was remember was it Sun, Sun Gi when we got the, was it the the fourth goal? So you got this like Chinese international, and you could just see him going, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> it was like it's just an amazing moment of going. It's just universal football, but yeah, I got I I do that, that game's ingrained in me. I just I still remember it because we had Adelka was was injured as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh so yeah, he went off went off in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then then you're right, Barton sent off at half time, and you were like. But that's what I mean about that kind of typical city thing is against Spurs at the time had some cracking players on the pitch, weren't they? And well, I don't know about that. I don't try and overreg this to make you sound better. <laughs> Christian, like, Christian Ziga, funny. Mate, the Spurs before say two thousand and five were absolute tr- like dog shit. They were they were they were terrible. So that's why I said to my uncle, "Why did you make me support this shit?" And I meant it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There we go. Keegan, Keegan said he was looking for the job centre at half time. Anyway, so uh, one of the uh, one, of, one of the greatest comebacks of, uh, of uh, FA Cup history. We'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, Dave, Dave, where can where can people find more information about this? Well, first off, I didn't ask you where it is. Where, where's it going to be? It's going to be in a venue called uh, Titanic Sunur, uh which is uh, if you just type in Titanic Bar Lisbon, it comes up. Um, and so that's it's about. 10 minutes walk from like the main square. So it's in a good location. It's, you know, away enough that you won't get any kind of interference. So you can come and enjoy the show and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and we, we're going to open the doors at midday, get the show starting about one-ish, one thirty. And that's all on the 15th, the day of the game, isn't it? The day of the game. So what if you get there, if you're there from the morning, if you're there from the, the day before, I mean, me and Colin are going to be out there from the day before as well. We're going to just, you know, have some uh, nice... Portuguese food and, and beers, I suppose, and have a good time. And then we've got the show the next day. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all on the 15th from midday. Uh, probably last, you know, the venue's given us three hours from midday till three o'clock and then you're free to go out. You've got six hours then before the game. So, you know, if you're not really one of these people that wants to just be drinking, singing and dancing from like 10 in the morning, you want something else to do an outlet. And like I said, if you're on your own, if you're traveling on your own, you can come and meet people, you know, come, come down, speak to us, meet people, sit in a group and, uh, 
and enjoy the game. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Colin Manford and David Ward, who will be putting on Under the Lights comedy show at Titanic Summer in Lisbon later this month. Tickets are available now and just look at UTL Comedy on Twitter. That's at UTL Comedy. Or you can search Under the Lights Comedy on Instagram as well. And uh, there's links to all the uh, places you can get tickets from there. Uh, now it's time to look ahead to the game with uh, Brentford on Wednesday, uh, 7.45 kickoff. Uh, let's bring in Billy Grant from the Besotted podcast all about Brentford. Hi, Billy. Hi, how you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Um, big headline for this uh, this game is the signing of uh, Christian Eriksen. What's the reaction been in uh, in Brentford? Yeah, uh, everyone's majorly excited. You know, again, you can imagine a team like Brentford, as they say, or teams like Brentford aren't going to sign players like Christian Eriksen. So the fact that we've actually signed for us is uh, is a bit weird, I have to say. You know, as a Brentford fan, you know, going for forty odd years, and you know, listen, the players that have come to us. I remember the the sort of we have, we, we, there was an article actually because, I, I, like I said, to you a podcast, and uh, we write for Besotted, which is besotted.com. And if you check on our website, we've actually an article where we've done sort of the, the, the sort of the biggest names, like you know, to assign for Brentford over the years, and it sort of made you sort of kind of hark back. So uh, we had people like Paul Davis who signed for us back in the day, and it's actually quite funny as well because I, I saw Paul Davis after he'd um, he'd signed for us. And uh, I said to him, I'm not being funny. I saw him years afterwards and basically he was rubbish. He'd come from Arsenal, he turned up for Brentford and he was, he was awful. And I said, and I said, what was going on there, Paul? He goes, not being funny, mate. I just saw the balls flying around, the, 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 you know, the legs going, kicking in. And I wasn't interested. So <laughs> you had these players of that, sort of that, you know, that sort of magnitude kind of signing for us. Um, but none of them have eclipsed, I think, Ericsson because Ericsson went out, I wouldn't say top of his game, but he was still, you know, a very important player in that Danish side, you know, in in those Euros, the team got to the semi-finals of the Euros without him. You know, <laughs> you could argue to say that if he was in the side, maybe they might have beaten England. They might have got to the final, like you know. And uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's it's a massive signing for Bees fans, and uh, everyone is really excited. We we're not quite sure when he's actually going to show his face because he he's obviously been keeping fit, but he's not been match fit. And uh, he's just had his COVID jab as well. So he can't actually sort of start training or joining the rest of the team till the 11th of uh, the eleventh of, of February. So it's going to be after the Man City game. So he's not going to be there for that game. He's probably not going to be there for the Crystal Palace game either as well. But, you know, maybe a week after that, the Arsenal game or the, the Newcastle game, which will be an interesting one for us, that maybe will show his face. So very, yeah. very excited indeed. I'm I'm a little bit relieved. Uh, I'm not going to lie, John, just to to find out that he's not going to be ready for the City game because otherwise, like like City, nobody needs an excuse for City to be the bad guys anyway. Any time these days, so <laughs> can you can you imagine like just how much like everybody wants wants uh, Ericsson to settle in well for that game? Yeah, including us. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was it was horrendous. Uh, I was watching the Denmark game live, and yeah, it was one of the worst. Well. I can't think of anything worse I've ever seen on a football pitch. And to, yeah, to see him back playing for a Premier League club is just fantastic. Um, you know, I hope he's, obviously I hope he's fully fit and makes a full recovery. But more than anything, I hope he makes an impact and gets back to doing what he loves, what we love watching him doing. Um, and yeah, if he, if he can just leave it for another week, that's even better. Yeah, Dom. Um, it's it, this is City's first midweek since uh, since Christmas, and I'm I'm kind of wondering in a weird way, um, Guardiola must be happy about that. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think I think this squad is built for the the weekend midweek 
sort of bang, bang, bang. You know, he, we, we've said it previously. He, he talks about the team being in rhythm, how that's like such an absolute fundamental of how everything works. And yeah, I think there were some, I mean, the results were fine, but I think there were probably some up and down performances in January. And I think maybe you could attribute that to sort of, I mean, the, the Southampton game is like, oh, great week off after Chelsea. But the way they started at Southampton did look like they'd had a nice week off. Do you know what I mean? Um, so... Yeah, th- th- this squad is built for those sort of relentless runs where they're playing twice a week. Uh, obviously, th- this Brentford game and then the Champions League comes round after that. So, yeah, I'd agree. I think he'll be he'll be definitely up for this um, this period of time c- c- coming that's coming up. And it's just to add echo what what everyone else said about Ericsson, it's it's amazing to see him back. He's he's just such a wonderful player, um, an absolutely wonderful player against City as it happens. Both Ajax and Spurs had a very very good record against City. So, um, yeah, if he's a, if he's not quite match fit just yet. That that's probably handy for City because he does he does really seem to like playing against us. Yeah, Billy, we've uh, obviously the focus has been Ericsson. Has there been any other business in the in the January window for Brentford? It's interesting you say that because it's been a bit of a sort of bone of contention with a lot of Brentford fans. Uh, not very much. I mean, there has been a lot of business, but a lot of the business actually has been going out as opposed to to coming in. We got um, basically, as you probably know, um, David Raya. We talked about this beforehand. Who's our who was our first team goalkeeper? He got injured back in October. And we really massively missed him. And we had a substitute goalkeeper called Fernandez, who was actually playing against you when we played at, at, at New Griffin Park, actually. So, yeah, he played against you, Fernandez, And he's had a bit of a sort of touch-and-go start to the season. And I'm being a little bit kind of kind there as well. You know, he's, he's, he's made some good saves, but it's been his command of the area, the sort of the confidence of his, his defence in front of him has been a little bit iffy, it has to be said. But fair play to the team. They gave him a good two months, two and a bit months, said, we're going to stick with him, we're going to stick with him. But then uh, they, they brought in a a free agent, this guy called Lossel, who played for Everton and also played for FC Michelin, which is our, our owner's club that he owns in Denmark as well. And he brought them in, said he's going to be the sub to our sub keeper. And then, and then he gave him about three matches. And then he played a game against, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember who he played, but he played one game and before I'll tell you something, all right, we're going to have to do something about this. And they changed it around. <laughs> and so now our substitute to the substitute keeper is actually our first keeper. And he is pretty much the only player that we brought in for the first team in the window, you know, we've actually had a load of players that have, got, that have gone out on, 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 to, on loan. Uh, and like I said to you, this is kind of, um, this is really kind of got, got irked quite a few lot of these fans. Marcus Force, who's our sort of kind of sub striker. He's a Finnish international and he's one of those players, like I said, you bring off the bench and he's, you know, he, he knows where the back of the net is. But the problem is that he's not been getting much game time. So the club's made a decision to actually put him out so he can play week in, week out rather than get sort of kind of two minutes here or there every four or five games, you know. And then there's other players that have gone out as well. Some some B team players that have gone out to different teams as well. Uh, and as well as, uh, as, as a few players come into our B team. So there's not been that much activity. We were looking at a left back because Rico Henry who's a fantastic left back but he does get injured here and there and when he got injured last season it did scupper us a bit and we were meant to be getting a sub left back in we tried to get a sub left back in from the MLS as well as kid called Bello that didn't happen uh, we were looking at another sub left back that didn't happen we were also looking at a, a right back as well a guy called Vanderson from Brazil but we got usurped by Monaco as well which is quite bizarre Brentford getting usurped by Monaco. So, um, yeah, we didn't get the right back in as well. So we got sort of, we got one of our left wingers you know, playing as right back at the moment now. And also we were meant to get a winger, as in that was quite highly um, talked about in the press. Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest, we were meant to be getting him in. That, that deal's been going on since the summer. 
Yeah. And I really wish that we got it got him in. He's a really good player, but Nottingham Forest, I think there's a bit of malarkey behind the scenes at Nottingham Forest where I think that it sounds like somebody, and I'm not going to mention his name, actually agreed a deal that they're going to sell him to us. and then went, But he didn't tell the manager and the owner. And when the manager and the owner found out, there was all sorts of frying pans being thrown about the place, I think. So I think they kind of quickly reversed that one. So that deal didn't happen. And he's got another other players that didn't happen as, as wingers. So listen, there's, there's not been much activity. A lot of fans are really unhappy because they think, look, we're going to get relegated. This isn't right. My personal opinion is I think that we're going to be okay because I think we've got enough in the can without these extra players and we can just, we can actually kind of, uh, we can pick up players in the summer where it's going to be easier and we're going to be more in control. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about the form as well because obviously you look at the form and it's just four defeats in a row now. Um, but have there been positive signs in the performances? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, there have been positive signs. I think that, you know, some of them have been stop-start I think, you know, if you look at, and I know it's one of your big rivals, the Manchester United game, you know, massively positive sign, especially the game before that we were rubbish. And, I'll, you know, I'll put my end up if we were rubbish. You know, we all know that we were rubbish when we were down at Southampton. We played them. So people were a little bit nervous when we played Manchester United a week later. And, uh, you know, and we played Manchester United. And in the first half, I mean, we should have been 3 nil up. There's no two ways about that. But our finishing let us down. And in the second half, they, you know, they were, they were, they were pretty much backs against the wall in that first half, but they changed their, you know, to be fair, as a, as a manager will do, you know, they changed their formation in the second half. They came at us, they got the goals and they, uh, and, and, and they, they, they put them away. And, you know, if, if anything, you know, the goals that they got, I think they got three goals in that game. It was probably, you know, it was probably over and above maybe what they should have had, but they did score three goals. And I think that's the difference between them. And us, where, you know, we'll be creating lots of chances, not putting them back of the net. They'll get three chances. They'll put them all in the back of yeah. the net. But yeah, some of the, like I said to you, some of the games we've been okay. Some of them we've been terrible. The Everton game, we beat them 1-0. And I'm not being funny. If anyone recorded that on their skybox, I, I'd immediately say, re- delete that one immediately because you, you don't <laughs> want to be going back and scouting us on that game because it was horrendous, like, you know. And even the Manchester City game, even though we didn't necessarily come at you, we had a bit of a game plan and we kept it tight. It was a bit of a weird one because at that game, everyone was, we lost against you, but everyone was really proud and they're going, oh, it's really fantastic. Manchester City came down and we only lost 1-0, which is uh, some people, that's a, that's a bit of a, they think it's a bit of a sad sign of a sort of a plucky loser who's going around celebrating losing. But for uh, our we've, fans, we've, we've all been there. Don't worry about it. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It shows how far we've come, I think it is. So we were, we were yeah. really happy with that result. So in general, what I'll say is that First half of the season, first first two and a bit months of the season, I thought we were brilliant. Then we lost a load of our players for injury. So October, November, December, January, we were very much stop, start, finger in the dam. I think we're going to continue to be like that until our players come back in probably March or April. We had Joshua Silva came back back against Aston Villa. We played in a friendly yesterday and he scored in the friendly against Aston Villa yesterday, which is really good. And David Raya also played in that as well. So I think that um, give us a month, a month and a half, and I think we're going to have, we're going to be looking more like the Brentford you saw at the beginning of the season. Is there anything you think, uh, John, that uh, Guardiola will have learnt from that, that game at Griffin Park, or New Griffin Park? Yeah, it was an interesting game from Pep's point of view in that First 15 minutes, Brentford looked extremely dangerous um, and they had a couple of good chances. One cleared off the line by Cancelo. I think Edison made a good save. Um, but then once once they were ahead, um, it, it was just a decision to take complete control of the game and to just keep Brentford at arm's length. I, I, if I remember rightly, Brentford didn't have a shot on or off target uh, for the last... you know. For the whole of the second half and for 
25 minutes of the first half. So it was very much um, you take a take a 1-0 lead, which is obviously not the normal way City play. They generally get one goal, go for a second, go for a third, uh, and beat teams that way. But it, it was... You know, it was a lively atmosphere. The Brentford fans were were right behind their team, and they could see a way of putting City under pressure. Um, and it was, yeah, I think the decision was people like Grealish were running with the ball, winning free kicks, just 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 controlling it, which we know City can do that. So, but I would say at the Etihad, it's going to be a slightly different game. Um, I, I wouldn't expect to be Brent, Brentford to be as adventurous as they were, they are at home. So. Perhaps that allows City to be a bit more committed, do the usual thing of playing the whole game in the last third of the field. Yeah, Dom, it's, uh, I know it's only... Uh, it sounds daft, I know, to say that we're all panicking after that Southampton game, and, but it, it is only two drop points since the end of October. Um, I still think it's important, though, not to give Liverpool that glimmer of, of, a, of a way back in, isn't it? Because they obviously meet each other at the Etihad later in the season. They've got that game in hand that could bring it down to six points, and then you know they win the game at the Etihad, it's three points. Suddenly the pressure's back on again, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you also throw in Liverpool having, like, you know, a bit of a busy end to the window, bringing in Luis Diaz from Porto. They've got Harvey Elliott back fit, and he looked great early in the season before he got injured. You know, that 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 you know, so that bolsters them a bit. If you were to throw in City dropping a couple more points, um, then yeah, they, you can see where that sort of that narrative goes, and they get a bit excited. But yeah, I think I think it's it's important to try and maintain the cushion. The, the, the good the good thing is with that Liverpool game not being until April. Um, there's time for the gap to get bigger again, you know. Um, I can't. I, think... I can't tell you how much I'm going to hate if it is a title decider. Do you know? You know the one where it's all built up to crashing into that game. That United game in 2012 was horrific. I, I don't think anything will ever be as just stupidly intense as that United game. That was three games for the end of the season and three points behind with superior goal difference. Even if. It won't be a decide to that point. Well, I think there's still five or six games after that Liverpool game to go. Um, yeah, but it, oh yeah, it could definitely be a game that's profoundly unpleasant. Uh, to, <laughs> all, all these, all the build up and experience in it. But yeah, I think the, the it looks nice. Liverpool having trimmed the gap for the first time, I think, in a couple of months. Um, the other weekend, but. They've got to, Liverpool have got to get to that game with, say, if they win the game in hand, it's six points. They really need to get to that game at the Etihad five behind, sort of max. Um, if it's any bigger, then I, I think that shows that the, the, all the cards are still in City's hands at, at this moment in time. Yeah, um, just looking um, a, a, more closer to home, John. Um, we talked about a potential strong lineup for Fulham. How different do you think the two lineups will be for City this week? Because uh, COVID permitting, uh, most of the squad will play at least one of these games, won't they? I guess. Yeah, I think they'll both be strong games. Obviously, Zach Stefan you would expect to play in the FA Cup game, and Edison will be back for the uh, Brentford game. But other than that, I think it'll be true two strong teams. Um, maybe anyone who's got a slight knock or a slight fitness concern will miss the. Mr. Fulham game, um, but I, I from here on in, I think it'll be strong teams all the way. Yeah, how about for for Brentford, Billy? You're expecting a similar sort of setup to the the um, team that played against City over Christmas. Uh, yes, I mean obviously there's the change in the goalkeeper. 
which is going to which will be interesting because the interesting thing is and i'm just going to cast my mind back i i believe that um the new goalkeeper that he brought in i don't think he's made a save since i mean it's a little bit unfair because the shots that he's had have been sort of quite good but you know he I, hasn't, have, he hasn't have you signed claudio bravo is that what you've done <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah um, so 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 we'll so look we'll see with lossell like you know what i'm saying but that's the less the problem the the, the the big plus for me is that we're going to have Christian um, Ayer back, who is um, Christ, uh, Christopher Ayer as well, who is, uh, we signed him from Celtic. He was our record signing and he's also been out as well as a, as well as a goalkeeper um, from around about October as well. He got injured and we massively missed him. He's been great, you know, and he's like a, you know, he's like a Rolls Royce of a centre back, as we say, likes the ball at his feet, likes running. The defence, you find him in the opposition penalty area quite a lot as well. Obviously, he hasn't been match fit, so trying to get him back into match fitness slowly. But obviously, he's at a, we had the, the international window, so he's had some time to get his rest, to, to get his fitness back. So he's going to be back. So that's going to be definitely going to be one change that we're going to be from uh, from the game against you. Again, I, you know, I haven't got the team because you've got this on the hop here. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what the team is from, from that Manchester. Manchester City game. I know in and around that time that Ivan Tony had just come back from having COVID, actually. And uh, and it, 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 the thing about it is that Ivan, I mean, I know he scored a couple of goals since, but to be quite honest with you, um, he, 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 he hasn't quite been the same for a couple of months. Um, I know he's a very driven player and he really wants to kind of do the business, but he's, you know, he hasn't necessarily been the same Ivan Tony that we saw at the beginning of the season and we don't know whether or not that's because of the COVID, you know, or whether or not it's because of the, or just because of just, just different things. The thing about Ivan Tony is that he does so many different roles for yeah. Brentford. So everyone knows him as a striker that scored 20, what, 30 odd goals, what it was last season. But he also, you know, he's saving balls on the line. He's defending, like, you know what I'm saying? Heading balls in the, in the middle of the area. He's out in the wing. He's dropping deep into midfield. Like, you know, he's a, he's a target man that they, they lump, lump the ball up to and then he's heading the, him in the header. So he does so many different things. And I think one of the things that we're saying is that we're thinking, you know, we'd like Ivan Tony um, to maybe not do so much work so other players can actually work a little bit harder as well and do the work for Ivan so he can actually get into position to score goals. And that's where we think where Christian Eriksen hopefully will make a difference because not yeah. only is he, you know, his free kicks are wicked, you know, his attacking play is wicked, but also his his assists. So getting players in and playing those wicked balls. So I think that's where that's going to help. One also, there's one other player that was missing actually for that Manchester City game, which was um, Brian and Bumo. Um, and I, I think he must have been injured for that game as well. So we had Johan Wieser that was playing up front with Ivan Tony. And Boomer, I think he's a wicked player. He's, he's only 22, so he's still quite young. He, he seems to hit the post more than he actually hits the back of the net. I think he's hit the, the, the woodwork about seven or eight times so far this season, which is pretty miraculous, it has to be said. But he's honestly, he's, he's a really skillful player and he's going to come good at some stage. And again, maybe it might take somebody like, you know, um, uh, you know um, Christian Eriksen or Josh De Silva, who's coming back to, to be in the side with him to actually kind of bring out the best in him. But yeah. he's going to be back for the City game and that'll be interesting to see because the City is the type of game that he loves. He's very fast. He loves running onto the ball. He loves running at attackers. Like, you know, his play with uh, Ivan Tony is something else when it works. So let's see how that, let's see how that comes off. 
Yeah. Now, uh, it's predictions time, and it's been uh, a few weeks since we've had uh, two games on the charity bet, so it's nice to get back to action with two opportunities to add some money to the pot. We've raised £1,080 so far this season for the Man City fans' food bank support. They're collecting donations for the Trussell Trust in Manchester. They'll be in the usual spot beside the bridge near Asda, outside the Etihad for the game against Fulham, so go and pay them a visit with a donation if you can. Uh, William Hill is giving each of us a £10 correct score single on City's games. Uh, We heard earlier on that Sammy is predicting a one-all draw for the game with Fulham that's 14 to 1 and 140 pounds if he's right uh Dom what are you having for this one okay yeah um I'm going 3-1 City I think as evidenced by their brilliant form in the championship Fulham are definitely good for a goal um but I think uh so I, I think as we also as we've discussed Guardiola will pick a pretty strong team it'll leave very little to chance and um yeah I see City winning a good entertaining competitive game 3-1 Three one is uh, nine to one and ninety pounds if you're right, uh, John. What are you having for this? I've gone for four nil. Four nil. Four nil. City is eight to one and eighty pounds if you're right. That brings us to uh, the game against Brentford. Uh, Billy, let's start with the guest. What, uh, what's your score prediction for this one? I'm going to go against what I normally do because I, sh- I should have and would have gone for a draw, but I'm actually going for a two nil City win. Um, I'm saying that we're going to be a slow start for us after the, this. Uh, this winter break, but we'll be getting back into it for the Arsenal game is what I'll say. Yeah, if you're going to lose, at least add some money into the charity pot. That's what I say. Uh, six to one, if you're right, £60. Uh, John, what are you having? I've gone for 3-0 in this one. 3-0 uh, is 5-1 to one and uh, £50 if you're right. Dom, what's your uh, what's your score? A slightly more dour 1-0 with Guardiola going for the controlling game plan for the work so well at Brentford. And I think he'll, um, yeah, the extra pass, Grealish winning free kicks, all that sort of thing will be going on. Uh, it's 10 to 1 and £100 if you write. Remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Billy, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Uh, Billy Grant from the Be Salted podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I just want to say one, one other quick point as well. One of the player, the player who actually won player of the match for, uh, it was on Amazon, wasn't it, that game? Remember, so it's on Amazon and it's Dominic Thompson who won player of the match for the Brentford defender. Uh, he never played after that, and we put him on loan to Ipswich. So uh, I think that kind of shows you where we're at. How things are going, yeah. Uh, Billy, uh, all the best for the rest of the season, just not for that midweek game. <laughs> okay, nice one. Thanks a lot. Now time to hear from Howard Hocking. It's always a delight to pen a piece during a winter or international break. There's just so much to talk about after all. Yeah, sarcasm abounds. And not even a new contract for Cancelo can fill seven minutes of airtime. In the old days, City had a tendency to produce their own news during a break to keep us all occupied, such as a European ban, a new contract for Pep, or just do something stupid. Maybe those things didn't happen in breaks, but I'm running with it. And whilst you may wish to believe rumours that Erling Haaland has said yes... Bernardo is about to sign up for two more years of Manchester Sunshine, and perhaps Pep too, and we now know James McAtee certainly is. City just haven't been playing ball recently in every sense of the word, not even in the transfer market. We've had a month off then, though there was still time for at least one nonsensical article every few days, the best of which wondered if City players were even happy at this mechanical Pep football club, penned shortly before a raft of new contracts are signed. Often these pieces come from the Irish media, which shows how Content simply plays to the masses, most of which across the sea sport red shirts. Give them what they want, after all. They certainly don't want pieces on the genius of Pep or a deep dive into how City could dominate football for years to come. Cancelled subscriptions and angry letters to the editor would follow. Away from City, there was still anger, though. 
There was plenty of ire in the media about the £300 million splurged by Premier League clubs in these difficult times. But much of that money was just Newcastle's doing the rounds. It's hardly a surprise they spent money. Nor were they of annoyance that Everton spend their DNA money on someone else, or Burnley spend their wood money on someone else, and so on. Barney Rowney was one who was upset that football clubs were acting like they always have. But his article showed that for once, City were not the bad guys, not even mentioned once. I feel left out. But it was a strange transfer window, and what stood out to me was the waste, the absolute waste by teams, that is bizarrely overlooked by the mainstream media, who seem obsessed with transfer fees and little else. But hey, it's fine to don that tinfoil hat again, because just imagine if City had loaned out such a wealth of footballing talent as other clubs did in January. Imagine the content. So let's take a look at Spurs for starters. And Dombele and Lo Celso, with the club giving up on Deli Alli, a trio of talent once rated at well over £100 million. Then Gill was loaned out too, and he was just a £20 million signing just months previous in the summer. Astonishing. United seem to have finally given up on their £100 million of signings in Martial and Van der Beek as £80 million signing Paul Pogba moves ever closer to leaving on a free transfer, all the while they refuse to allow Lingard to leave on loan, despite rarely playing him. Aubameyang is given over for free. United's £30 million Diallo is loaned out, and most bizarrely of all, Traore, rated at £100 million, wrongly, just two years ago, is loaned to Barcelona. Why did Wolves allow this? For some clubs, it doesn't matter what they do, the Teflon is strong. Juventus, whose history is hardly squeaky clean, have had £700 million pumped into them, and few barely bat an eyelid. I guess you have to be successful. The likes of Everton and Villa would discover that should they ever challenge for titles, when their owner's funding of success will suddenly be laid clear. It was thus a peculiar transfer window in many respects, one City were best largely staying away from. Even their one signing is not coming until the summer, and for the club to be no pressing or urgent need to fill positions, I'm not sure January signings really have a chance to make a big impact in their first three months at a club. A little part of me does miss the old days though, when transfer deadline day was truly exciting. Right up to the point it ended and you realise you've wasted another day of your life watching Sky Sports News. But there was always the chance of a last gasp swoop for Maido or Benjani or Egil Ostenstad. Those were the days. City really are boring, like everyone claims, when they plan in advance and don't spend the final hours of January firing off faxes to Portsmouth and Blackburn Rovers. But enjoy the calm for now, if you care, because this is simply the calm before the storm. Storm Joseph, due on British shores in the summer of 2022. Because imagine if City do get Erling Haaland. I begin to think that they might. Might. Imagine how football will be declared dead again because City bought sensibly and got a world-class striker for a bargain price and had a net spend of £100 million over a two-year period, which isn't that much at the top of the Premier League. And brace yourself for the crocodile tears due to the fact City haven't messed up enough to make the sport more interesting. Players tied down a long-term contract, a manager who's been at Barcelona and Bayern Munich, but has never been happier. Players who have considered leaving in the past, realising there is nowhere better to be. But ultimately, how well City are run off the pitch is about more than who comes in, but who stays. Are City heading for a contract crisis and a talent drain, or is Cancelo and McAtee the start of something wonderful? The latter, I reckon. We'll find out in the next few months anyway, but either way, it's a very different scenario to the likes of Arsenal and Spurs who offload unwanted players and take huge losses because they need to lower their wage bill. City have been there before, of course, but recently this has been a club run on a different level to before, and a club where first-team players rarely end up leaving unless in the twilight of their career. 
And that's a big reason, beyond Pep's genius, why City is so attracting the eye of others, though many would argue that that's been a constant for a decade. City have prospered due to planning, implementing structures, vision, philosophy and seeing the wider picture. Growing, basically. Developing. And they've been criticised, not because they've done this, but because others haven't. City are essentially to blame for their own competence. Because quite simply, Chelsea and Manchester United and others are perfectly capable of competing on a similar level. Ignore the lie that City have unlimited wealth and funds. They don't. Sometimes Chelsea do compete, of course. Sometimes they don't. United haven't for nine years, and that is, of course, on them. If those in the media want a competitive Premier League, and let's make clear that this season's title race is still very much alive, then they need to focus their attentions away from East Manchester. Other clubs desperate to get players off the wage bill as City offer new and improved terms to players, and hopefully the odd manager too. That is where we are at. It's great. It bodes well for the future. With every new deal announced by City, the future gets rosier and rosier. Hi, good afternoon, this is Dennis Stewart calling and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was Howard Hawking. Uh, we're going to finish with some listener questions. Get in touch on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, si Robinson has been in touch through the emails to say, I'm getting worried by the number of people who are putting pressure on Julian Alvarez before he's even arrived. Just because he's an Argentinian striker and there's a photo of him doing the same celebration as Aguero used to do. He's 22. How involved is he actually going to be when he arrives, especially if City go on and sign a superstar striker like Kane or Haaland this summer? Um, John, I think it is important to remember that he he while he's not a youngster he's not like he, he's not in the same bracket as Aguero is he no um I mean it's 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 quite a good comparison to have isn't it being an Argentinian scoring a lot of goals playing like Aguero um so but it's yeah it's going to be impossible to live up to those because at the end of the day he's City's greatest ever goal scorer so yeah it's going to be all impossible to replicate that um the other thing to bear in mind is that South American football is is not what it was in terms of their national leagues. Uh, you know, it, Alvarez is the only home-based player to have played for Argentina in the last 12 months. Everyone else is, is based in Europe he, and players younger than him. But and also, having said that, that goes to show his quality, that he is playing for the Argentina national team. You know, that's, that's alongside, well, obviously Messi, but... The rest, Di Maria and um, God, well, I can't think of any, I, any others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all those others, uh, yeah, um, Maradona, all of them, yeah, 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 <laughs> Mario Kempes, Ozzy Ardiles, <laughs> yeah. So, but certainly, it's it's not going to stop City looking for a big name striker in the summer. Yeah. So, I think that's the, I think that's the the thing to bear in mind. He's got potential. Um, but you know, a lot of play- people associated with City have potential, and only the best make it. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to put pressure on them too early, do you, Dom? That's the thing. No, but I, I, the thing I would say is, and it's perfectly right for City. You know, that it, we still, after all these years, have a default to be cautious and worried things will go wrong, and that's that's a City fan's prerogative. But Julian Alvarez isn't going to be bothered about Aguero comparisons. You know, he he's um. 
you know, for all I and John's right to say the, the the South American domestic leagues aren't what they were, but this is a guy who's sort of been brought up in that River and Boca rivalry, like intense, insane pressure. His his first couple of Astoria's game was he came off the bench in the final when River beat Boca in that game that got moved to Madrid because the um the Boca Juniors bus got bricked and all that sort of thing. So so that that was his first taste of it, you know. So he he's been thriving in that environment. He does the Aguero celebration off his own back all the time. So, you know, he knows what he's inviting there. He's he's an incredibly confident, incredibly exciting sort of 21, 22-year-old kid. So, yeah, I, I think any pressure that's been applied to him is one for us to worry about because he's not going to be worrying about that worrying yeah. about that at all. And he could turn up next year having maybe won another league, you know, maybe won a, a couple of titles over there, won a Libertadores, played, you know, a World Cup coming up. It's an exciting time. And I just think with with City, we've got these links with, with Argentina, particularly Buenos Aires football with Tevez, Aguero, Zabaleta, um, Nicolas Otamendi. Um, it's good to be adding to that story, I think. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I'm going to group the next two questions together because they're on a similar vein. Uh, Elliot on Twitter has asked, uh, good news about Cancelo's contract extension. We keep saying City need to buy a left-back and it's the one position they've not solved year after year. But are City in a position where they don't need to get a left-back anymore with Cancelo and Zinchenko as the two options there? Um, before we answer that, though, uh, Georgie on Twitter has also been in touch to say, can we talk about Nathan Ake's improvement this season? Uh, Neda Manua was saying recently, I think this was on a, a Why Always Us with uh, me and Sam, Lee. But nobody talks about how he wouldn't be City's first choice at left back or centre back, uh, and I think he's been a very good option so far this season. What do you think? Uh, so taking both of those in uh, to consideration, John, what do you make of the left back position? Yeah, it's it's not an issue, is it? At the moment, that's the the thing. So I, um, somehow they've come up with a solution to it without signing a player, which is pretty impressive. I personally, I think Cancelo looks better on the left than he does on the right. Um, he's but. He still looks good on the right, doesn't he? So he's such a yeah, he's such an accomplished, such an intelligent player. Uh, he's been brilliant this season, and then you know Zinchenko has really not had much of a opportunity this year. Um, but he, he he's not he's still not seen as a left back. But he's never let City down in what two and a half years, three seasons where he's that's been his predominant position. So yeah, I think I I think if you were to start next season with Cancelo. And Zinchenko was your left backs. Yeah, there's, there's no issue. And then maybe you, you look at buying um, a right back as a backup for for Kyle Walker. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to, to move on to Nathan Ake, he's done okay this season. He's fitted in at left back when the other two have been unavailable. He's done okay at centre back. He's had a couple of games where not not the best. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough competition, isn't it? Because they've got City who are very fortunate to have three absolutely superb centre-backs. And this time, like, this time last year, we were wondering about Amrit Laporte, what his future was. He couldn't get into the team. Stones and Diaz are way ahead of him. Um, all three of them this season have been have been bang on. Um, you know, it was interesting that Diaz didn't play the game against... Um, Chelsea. Game, didn't he play Chelsea? Play Chelsea. Yeah, it was uh, Stones on the port, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was on the bench. So, I mean, that only sort of illustrates how strong they are there. Yeah, um, Dom. I mean, Ake's come in at left back a couple of times this season. I, I, I am wondering, like, do they need to solve the left back situation anymore? Um, yeah, well, they, they, they're now in a situation where there's three good options there, all of whom probably aren't left backs. I mean, I, I was from the, of the opinion that. We had to stop saying Zinchenko isn't really a left back because it's the only place he's ever going to play for City. And then 
Guardiola promptly dropped him into midfield against Paris Saint-Germain because <laughs> Pep loves the Champions League team sheet, doesn't he? Um, maybe where the problem comes is whether, and, and this is pure speculation on my part, whether two players as accomplished as Zinchenko and Ake are happy with their lot come the summer because I think it's fair to say that as good as they've both been and you're slotting in and doing a really great job in the squad, they're the two guys in the squad who it's hard to see becoming, and you'll never say never, you know, Zinchenko started a Champions League final last season, becoming first choice in their chosen positions, you know. Um, so, And there's plenty of clubs who'd like players of, of, of their capabilities around, but if the squad was to stay as it is, I'd agree it probably looks now more like you want to sign a right-back um, to cover for Kyle Walker because Cancelo was so accomplished at left-back. Um, I, I mean, what, one interesting name there is maybe City wouldn't even have to go into the transfer for market to throw back a little bit to we talking about Julian Alvarez and sort of the South American links that he have. There's Jan Kuto, the uh, young Brazilian who City signed a couple of years ago, who's by all accounts having a really good season on loan at Braga in Portugal. So, Maybe he comes back and uh, is cover for Walker on the right-hand side. Where that would be really confusing is he actually looks quite a lot like Cancelo, so it looked like there was sort of, <laughs> we were growing full-backs in a lab if they both start playing together. But, I mean, why not? Let's do that. Yeah, let's let's just invest in science technology. That's uh, <laughs> that, that, that's what we should be doing. Um, final question for this week comes from Johnny the Bakewell Blue on the emails. Uh, he says, having eaten my nails during the draw at Saints the other weekend, I was looking for other football distractions and noticed a strange pattern. See if you can spot the common team thread in these. The guy who handcuffed himself to the post at Everton, Delia Smith's Let's Be Avenue. A guy in a beige raincoat running on to paint the penalty spot in the mud in the 70s. Phil Brown's team talk on the pitch. The Robert Perez to Thierry Henry ridiculous sideways pass penalty why do odd things only ever seem to happen to city um i'm going to kind of twist this a little bit john uh what's what what sums up the oddity of, of following city for you what what is it what what kind of examples from the past when you think of of that could only happen to city what is it the the one game i i think of as, as a sort of classic city game is goes back a few years to when uh I'm trying to think what season it was. When they were going for promotion um, and they played Bournemouth in the last home game against... Uh, sorry, the last last game of the season at home was against Bournemouth. They needed to win to gain promotion. We're 3-0 up at half-time. Bournemouth were bottom of the table, already relegated. And <laughs> um, it was when Eddie, Eddie Large was sat on the bench as well. Um <laughs> And yeah, it was it was done. Everyone was having a party, and they drew three three and yeah. didn't go up. Did he ambitious I mean, score for Bournemouth that day? No, I don't. I think he Bishop might have scored for Bournemouth that day. Yeah, yeah. Andy Dibble was was behind the goal for Granada reports, giving, <laughs> giving a running running commentary. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, and also, maybe the other one would be the last ever game at Main Road. Where again, big party. Uh, you know, it's one of those games where you thought, well, they might actually win today. And the last ever goal scorer at Main Road in a 1 0 defeat, I still can't remember his name. Matthias Svensson? Matthias Svensson. I, knew, I, knew, I know he's a Scandinavian, but I mean, just what a so, such a mediocre person to score the last ever goal at Main Road. <laughs> you know, uh, all the classic, wonderful matches, all the memories at that stadium and it's Matthias Svensson. 
Yeah, yeah. Dom, how about you? Any uh, any typical city moments that you always go to as your uh, as the as the one you hold up as that could only happen to City? It's it's disappointing that Matthias Svensson's going to be cancelling his Patreon, isn't it? But um, <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, looking at Johnny's question, I instantly thought of a fella who God, um, who knows, maybe this was Johnny. Um, when I was uh, when City went up at Blackburn in two thousand, um, I actually. Wasn't on the hill, had a ticket in the away end with my dad. And the fella sitting next to us was, I don't think I've ever seen a human being in such a state of distress, you know, in, <laughs> you know, in hospitals or anything throughout the game. And every time Blackburn hit the post, which was several times, it was like a dagger into him. And he also had a radio listening to Ipswich's game against Walsall. And around the time that Ipswich went ahead and then Blackburn were hitting the post at the Darwin end, he was. He then he had to take himself away for a walk, and we didn't see him again <laughs> during all the goals. Well, then afterwards during the pitch invasion, and there's about got ten thousand city fans or whatever on there. We end up bumping into him, and he sort of he's in tears, and he grabs hold of my dad and gives him a hug, and yeah. So that was hopefully that was Johnny Bakewell because it was like you know I mean I don't think he had any nails or sort of nerves or anything left. The other sort of odd thing that I only thought of during the Fulham section of the show that great escape game. Um, which was, I think, City's last home game of the season or towards the end of when Sven was definitely going to go. And we all know that season ended in chaos. But do you remember after Fulham, Fulham scored those three goals in the last 20 minutes or whatever? Do you remember they gave away a car on the pitch at the end of the game? No. Yeah. <laughs> Someone like won a Nissan or something. And like, so everyone had, it was a player's lap of honour, but everyone had left in a huff because we'd lost 3-2 from 2 nil up. And so there was like a smattering of people around and someone driving in, driving a pretty crap car around the place. <laughs> it was absolutely weird. I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I've not made that up. I'm sure someone can vouch me on the Tax and Shinawatra car giveaway after we'd stacked it against Fulham. That was pretty... I remember, that, I remember cause I was one of the few sad acts left in the ground. I remember thinking, this, on, that's, this is the sort of thing that only happens to this football club. This is absurd. Yeah, yeah, goodness me! I, just on that Blackburn game as well. Uh, one of my one of my favourite ever parts of an interview that I've ever done when I spoke to Nicky Weaver about that game, uh, and he said it was Ashley Ward turned Richard Edgell on the edge of the box uh, in the start of the second half and curled it around him, hit the inside of the post, and he just goes, "I was beaten all ends up," and I turned and watched it hit the post, and it just dropped back into my hands. <laughs> and at that point, I thought we can't lose. Yeah. Incredible game. Absolutely incredible game. Right, well, that uh, brings us to an end for this week's Blue Moon podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, please go and give it a rating and a review in all the usual places, but especially on Apple Podcasts if you can. A special thanks to my guests for today's show, Jonathan Smith. Thank you very much. And Don Farrell. Cheers. Uh, we've also got bonus podcasts for people who are kindly supporting us on Patreon. We've got some new formats that have been exclusive to Patreon this season, including City Heaven, City Hell, where me, a City fan and an opposition fan, look back at four games, too good, too bad, between the teams. That's what was on this week's bonus. Rachel Hurdson is our City fan. Sunderland fan and Waterson joined us. Here's a little taster. We had a chance just before uh, or just after Larson's goal to make it four when Benton hit over the bar, and that would have been probably curtains, but... I went away from that absolutely jubilant with our performance, thought we were excellent. Um, and, and as you say, that was probably the point that won City the league, really, to, you know, to come back from 3-1 down with five minutes to go and draw 3-3. They're one of the, you've got to be looking at them results thinking that's probably what's won us the league, really. So it was a great day all around, really. Yeah, Rachel, the, the other side of it is as well, like you say, Kolarov had his critics. Um, you, he, he, He's got a little place in your heart, hasn't he, Kolarov? Yeah, he has. Um, so this is quite a cool story, which I never bore of telling. Um, 
back, I think it was 2016, uh, when he was still playing for us. He, he bizarrely, I, I, um, I live in Hale Village and happened to see Kolarov with one of his friends, just literally walking past our house. Um, my son at the time, I think, was must have been 12 or 13. He's, um, he was an aspiring left back and he was obsessed with playing FIFA and often played as Kolarov. Anyway, it was around Christmas time and I remember just saying, just sort of turn, shouting Alex out and he turned around and I said, oh, I'm a massive City fan. I said, in fact, I only live just there, it's 20 yards away. You wouldn't just come in and say happy Christmas to my son, would you? Because that would be better than any Christmas present I could buy him. He was like, yep, yeah, of course I will, no problem at all. So in he came to the house. <laughs> Uh, very, very surreal moment, and obviously my son's there playing FIFA with his city shirt on, and uh, yeah, there's me with Alex Kolarov saying, oh, Dan, "Dan, there's someone here to see you," <laughs> um, and he was absolutely, you know, really, really taken back. Kolarov couldn't have been nicer. That was a clip from this week's Patreon bonus show. It's out now. To listen to the whole thing, all you've got to do is sign up and support the podcast by £2 a month at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. You'll get a new bonus show every Monday, plus this podcast each week without the adverts, and you can have it download to your phone's podcasts app as normal as well. All the details are on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Join me again next week to review the games with Fulham and Brentford. I'll see you then. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast